From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Powell speaks today, so okay. um, might, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what time. Uh, it's a Wall Street Journal conference of some sort, so the market will be focused on that. You know, other than that, yeah, you, you nailed it. It's about retail sales and it's about earnings reports from retailers. You know, we got a big one or two big ones today with, with Walmart and Home Depot results, but there's some more big names coming over the uh, rest of the week. Everybody, welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals podcast with Ryan and Jeff. Jeff, last week, we, we well, last couple of weeks, we've talked about how bad my Cincinnati Reds are. And we we're saying, you know, you're telling me there's a chance, the old Jim Carrey quote. Did you see my Reds had a no hitter and still lost? I did see that. That is really hard to do. <laughs> I believe, and maybe someone will connect or correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the answer is only five other teams in history have ever done that. We we're showing it on the YouTube channels. Let's see here. The Reds had four hits, no runs. The Pirates had, I can't even say it without laughing, zero hits, and they scored a run. And the Reds went to nine and twenty-six. They were three and twenty-two, I believe. So one could argue they're doing a little better. But then somebody, and again, I can't verify this. Someone sent me a note. They said the Yankees scored like five runs and only had a couple hits like on the same day. So talk about just um Anything's possible, right? So maybe maybe markets can bottom, bonds can do well. Any anything's possible. Your Kansas City, though, how, how your KC Royals doing again? Uh, I, I think they're the next worst team in the majors, so not good. Well, yeah, you know, after the Reds, what can you what can you do? But old Hunter Green, who we call Hundred Green, he was our rookie pitcher that pitched most of that. He's our number one pick a few years ago. At least he looks like the real deal. But again. It is what it is. Anything's possible. All right, Jeff, let's get into it. So if anything's possible, the question that we're going to talk about this week in the uh, LPL Market Signals podcast is the low end or is the low close? Maybe it's a better way to put it. We're going to discuss that. We're going to start talking off earning season. Uh, first quarter earnings season is like 90% done, maybe even a little bit more now with a few other names. Looking like another solid uh, first quarter of earnings, which is good. Remember how bad the first, well, not bad, it's all relative, but we had that weak GDP number a few weeks ago, but earnings season looks uh, really solid. And literally just, I don't know, an hour ago, retail sales number came in much better than expected. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, then we'll also say, is the low close or how close are we to the low? Or maybe, heck, maybe we even made the low uh, for at least the S&P 500. Florida down around 3,800, nearly in a bear market last Thursday and had a bounce back. We'll talk about that. And then I think uh, one of the more uh, popular questions we've received the last, we'll call it last month, is, is 60, 40 dead, right? 60% in stocks, 40% in bonds. Both have had terrible years, um, but should you even really mess around with the 60-40 anymore? We're going to talk about that along with valuations. So, Jeff, you wrote an excellent weekly market commentary taking a look at earnings season. First quarter earnings season, again, is wrapping up. Um, the first slide we're showing is just kind of the quarter over quarter growth, looking at like 9% growth. How strong is that? And what's your takeaway on how uh, how solid corporate America did this first quarter? Yeah, I mean, they... The challenges are many, right? And, uh, you know, earnings are going to end up probably being about five points above expectations uh, coming into earnings. So, I mean, that that is a solid number given all the margin pressures, right? So yeah. I, I've been impressed with how well companies have managed costs and certainly extra revenue. Uh, revenue surprised by almost three percentage points, which is tougher to do. That helps your margins, right? More of it just drop into the bottom line and help and offset cost pressures. So um, it's a good good quarter, pretty much no matter how you slice it. Um, 
Perhaps though the most impressive thing is that the estimates going forward inched a little bit higher. And in this environment, I would have expected them to go the other way. So really um, good news there. And again, points to just how well companies are managing a very tough environment. Uh, I don't know if you heard that, but my dog is starting to bark. He's getting very excited. I don't know if my wife's home. So we might just hear Walter barking on this podcast. But that's all right. Walter's got an opinion on this. Jeff, I have heard how um, more companies warned than guided higher. Yet you're telling me overall earnings estimates kind of went a little bit higher, which is a good thing. Talk to me a little bit about, should we be worried that more companies warned or at least lowered their guidance versus increased? Yeah, that, that's the historical pattern, right? That more companies, when you're going to guide, you know, um, on your outlook, you're more likely to provide guidance uh, when the news is is not great. So, uh, but the you know the math, the way the math works is that, you know, when you look at overall earnings, it's 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 a weighted calculation, right? So the biggest names, you know, we're talking about the Fang names, primarily Apple on down. Uh, their earnings have the most impact on the overall earnings calculation, right? So you can see the number of companies lean negative, which it which it normally does, but see the overall number uh, push higher. So you know we think we can get maybe two hundred twenty five dollars a share in S and P five hundred profits this year. Our estimate coming into the year was two twenty. So um, we're seeing some upside on the overall number, even though the ratio of negative pre-announcements to positive or negative guidance to positive guidance uh, has been, um, you know, north of one. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. So I did just hop up and I, Walter's now in the room with me. Walter is my 140 pound great Pyrenees. He likes to bark at anything that moves by. And here's the funny thing, Jeff, in the morning, I am at home today, not in the office. Says, hey, Walter, let's go to work. Let's go to work. He knows what that means. He means come in this room. I'm in, we go to work together. It's like, come to work, come to work. And He's in here now, so hopefully he stops barking. But, you know, let, let's um, just this morning. We got some more slides, but just this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit, Jeff. Hopefully, you've had time to dive into it. What I'm seeing in the headlines: Home Depot, solid earnings, consumer strong. Then I hear Walmart. Again, neither of these are recommendations. We're just talking broad scope on what these two companies said. But Home Depot, good thing to say. Walmart seems to be under some pressure, margin pressure, some concerns. It kind of tells whatever story you want. But what's your takeaway on kind of those two big names? again, not recommending the stock, is what they had to say this morning, at least so far. Yeah, well, it, here's where it's important to break apart revenue and margins, right? So Walmart beat on revenue, so did Home Depot. It was the margins, which is related to supply chain problems. It was the margins, the cost pressure that hit Walmart. And that right. stock is down pretty sharply this morning on that earnings miss. So revenue beat, earnings miss. Now, um, you know, Walmart tends to cater to a less affluent consumer than Home Depot does. And so that creates a bigger challenge, right? It's sort of the bottom quartile maybe of, of income distribution uh, that gets hit harder by high, higher inflation, right? And so, you know, that tends to affect Walmart uh, yeah. a little more than a Home Depot where certainly, you know, housing construction projects are, are, are going. We know the housing market's very strong. Uh, so that housing construction boom that we saw during the pandemic does not appear to be over. 
Yeah, okay, good stuff. Those are just kind of the big headlines this morning. So I thought I wanted to dive in there. Let's take a look at the next charts. Okay, so really on the on the YouTube channel, we are sharing, you probably kind of talked about this, Jeff, but it's just the 12-month earnings forecast for the S&P 500. Kind of looks like bottom left of your screen to upper right of your screen. We did have a little bit of a blip there about a month ago, but it doesn't seem, are we above April's peak or not quite on the 12-month estimates there? I'm, I'm eyeballing that it's really close. It's close, but it, it is marginally marginally ahead if you okay. just um so this is a rolling next 12 months so like every day uh you know the past day rolls off the new day comes on if you just lock in the four quarters you know maintain these same days that number's up half a percent next four quarters earnings is up 0.5 percent that's a really solid result uh again given given all of the the challenges but you're right i mean th th that's not much we're, you know, we're coming off of a few quarters where we were seeing that number go up, you know, three, four, five points. Those days are, are gone. I mean, this is normal, what you would expect during this stage of the business cycle, this stage of yep. the economic recovery and all of that. So it's, it's not bad news. Um, point is, we should have more confidence in earnings going forward because we just went through earnings season. You know, the companies that needed to confess, confessed. And we still have, um, you know, a pretty solid outlook here with, you um, cheaper stock prices after the correction. Yeah, we'll talk about that next, but one of the, I guess, one of the positives, and it's, you know, it's all relative, right? One of the positives to a really rough start to a year for stocks, coupled with strong earnings guidance, those multiples are really coming uh, back in, but that's that's good stuff. Now, when you say, Jeff, up about half a percent, that starts on what, April 1st? When did that start officially? That's right. So we're counting earnings season as April and May, which yep. generally it is. Um, that's the period where estimates have uh, increased by that amount. Yeah, and that's no April Fool's joke, but that's when we started. My other one I like to use is April, you can't make this up 2020 the way it's been. April Fool's Day was when the 210 yield curve inverted, right? You, 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 you can't, you, the terrible this year has been in a lot of ways, you can't make that up. But the bottom line, all the headlines we've seen, we've talked a lot about the economy in this. We don't see a recession, but there are some pockets of weakness, no doubt about it, right? Um, you know, we've lowered our own GDP forecast, and we talked about that, oh, maybe a month or so ago. Um, still avoiding a recession, but all the headlines to see earnings still higher, um, as to forward estimates higher than where they were on April Fool's Day is, um, is no joke, and it's uh, pretty impressive. I think I've got one more chart. Yes, good, profit margin, Jeff. I've been hearing for a while, we've talked about it on this very podcast every single quarter, Profit margins, when are they going to start the weekend? There's all these other factors that are out there that could hurt corporate America. I don't know. To me, one of the biggest surprises or maybe one of the most pleasant surprises is how strong uh, profit margins have held in there. And I guess it just shows an agile corporate America. Talk to me about this one. Yeah, that, that's right. Really impressive. Um, this is annual estimates. I mean, you have actuals where you have actuals, but annual estimates, um, profit margins, operating margins for uh, the S&P 500. And you see, even though the first quarter margins dipped slightly, not as much as expected, but quarterly margins dipped slightly, the annual expectation from analysts is still higher. So to, to maintain this expected upward trajectory, despite the margin pressures that were clearly evident in Q1, uh, is, is, is just really, really impressive. So you could say across the board, um, earnings results were better than we had anticipated. Um, you know, whether you're looking at revenue, earnings, margins, estimates, all of it. Um, and, and this is, you know, you could argue maybe this is the most impressive piece of it 
given right. the market's focus on um, on margins. Now these these numbers haven't come through yet. These are estimates, but still got to be impressive. Uh, still got to be impressed that uh, uh, analysts were able to maintain this outlook despite all these results coming in. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, bottom line, earnings season's been solid, paints a pretty solid picture just this morning before we started this podcast. We won't dive too much into this, but retail sales for last month, um, I guess it would have been what, of, of April, uh, came in really solid. The control group was solid. March was revised higher. You know, our chief economist, Jeffrey Roach, he's a friend of the show, but on the podcast before. So listen, this could mean second quarter GDP could be pretty impressive, even a little bit stronger. Uh, some some of our friends out in the, out in the world have lowered some of their guidance on GDP, but Jeff said, oh, that could be a, Jeffrey, sorry. So that could be a positive on, um, on the economy. I mean, Jeff, you want to add anything to retail sales or you just kind of move forward or you talk about anything you want. It's our podcast. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> I think, I think holding serve is yeah. how I would characterize the uh, retail sales number, because remember it's a nominal number. Mm -hmm. And so when you take into account the price increases, the, the inflation, it really didn't increase uh, all that much. It, it's still, it's still a good number because okay. I mean, last, last quarter was worse uh, or last okay. month rather was worse. March, but um, not not maybe anything to get too excited about. I mean, it, it will cause economists to raise their GDP forecasts slightly for yep. Q2, and that is good news, but it's not um, necessarily uh, the blowout that it might appear to be on the surface. Okay, yeah, good, good points there. Um, how are your allergies doing up in Boston? You hanging in there? What's what's it uh, like up there? Yesterday was was rough. I mean, I I take I take a, a pill, and it's still you know, there's only so much this medication can do. It's bad here, really bad. Yeah, so down here in, uh, we're just south of Charlotte and South Carolina, you walk outside and your, your car is yellow from all the pollen. And I did a morning call with our advisors just a little bit ago with Lawrence Gillum and fixed fix income strategist on the team. And in the middle of it, I had like a huge coughing attack. I now have a cough drop in. I'm, I'm with you. It's uh, it's rough out there, I guess is, is, is uh, all, all I'll say. So good luck to everyone suffering from, from those things. So if either Jeff or I go on mute, it's because we're chugging some water as we as we speak but let's move forward jeff do you watch the show ozark on netflix by chance jeff you know what i i watched a little bit of the first one and i said that's enough for me it's pretty dark <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, no. so anyway i don't want to give it away but i did watch it all four seasons and i'm like what in the world just happened so if you've watched ozark and you know what i'm talking about i'm like you know you watch four seasons of a show, you'd like them to wrap it up a little bit, maybe. So I guess if you haven't seen it yet, hope I didn't give away too much. Let's just say this. I wasn't a fan of how it ended. Now, it's not like a Sopranos ending. Did you ever watch that one, though, The Sopranos? Did you do that, Jeff? Oh, yeah. Never missed that one. Yeah. Did you like the ending? It was it was weird. Yeah. Yeah, very weird. Well, it, that that was by design, right? They wanted you to wonder what, yep. what happened, right? Right. It was supposed to sort of, you know bring on more questions than answers. So uh, I, I understand why they did that, but it was frustrating nonetheless for people who want closure. I guess I would prefer some closure. I never watched that show, but then I heard how the ending was. Well, I don't want to watch it now. It's not even, it's not even an ending, right? So anyway, those are kind of, felt like kind of went that route. I, I wasn't a fan, but anyway, it is what it is. All right, Jeff, let's go forward. So let's talk about some maybe some good news, because in my view, spending four seasons watching Ozark was not good news. It was bad news. They didn't wrap the show up. Um, let's have some good news. We're in the middle of a six-week losing streak for the S&P. That's not really the good news. Um, but some good potential news. We are sharing this on the YouTube channel right now. 
when you lose more than 10% during a six-week losing streak, there's only five other times that happened. So relatively small sample size since World War II, I'm aware. But you had some really solid performance six to 12 months later. Um, a year later, up 18% on average, uh, median at 29% on average. And again, this is just one data point. We pointed out some of these other data points over the last couple of months. The stocks of weekend were fully aware. But I mean, you know, that that's that's one maybe good thing that hey, things have been so bad. Usually you're gonna bounce back if you don't have a recession, like we don't see. That's another potential positive. I mean, Jeff, the SP's flirting with 1800-ish last week. Oh, let me put it like this. Last Thursday at three o'clock, I'm talking to a Reuters reporter about how the SP might move into a bear market. You know, that, that day, right? We weren't that far away. The big sell-off we could have. Then I go to do a meeting. I'm in Pittsburgh, um, you know, with some friends and, 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 and colleagues. And next thing I know, like, the market came back on Thursday. Huge bounce late. Then a big, like a record bounce on Friday. Do you think, Jeff, the low is in? That's kind of our question. Is, is the low in? Oh, boy. It's always tough to uh, yep. make that prediction. I, I would say, you know, the, the folks that follow technical analysis are still looking for more capitulation, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the last few sellers that are hanging on, right? Uh, get those people out. And then there's nobody left to sell, right? Panic selling. We want to see the technicians want to see panic selling, right? We haven't quite seen it. But so many people are looking at 3,800 right. on the S&P 500. When everybody is looking at the same number, I'm not sure we're going to get back there or break that number because there's so many people with, you know, the buy signal set right there. Um, so hopefully that is, I mean, we I guess we got to what, 38.55 on the okay. S&P for the uh, yep. intraday low last week. I believe it was closing low last week. Um, hopefully that holds. Um, I, I'd say the odds are probably better than not that, that those odds do, but I know the technicians think it's more likely that we you know go a little bit below that. Yeah, it's true. And you got to wonder you know, if everybody's thinking alike, somebody isn't thinking. So said General Patton. So that's in there. Get a little geeky on you. If you look at uh, common retracements, Fibonacci retracements, 38.2% a common retracement. If you look at the lows in March of 2020 and the high on January 3rd of this year, 38.2 uh, retracements right about where we just bottomed late last week. So maybe we could have a near-term summer bounce. Uh, we've talked before about how Historically, midterm years tend to bottom later in the year is one of our concerns with could we have had hit the low back in March? We were saying, uh, I mean, you could have, right? But midterm years tend to have the ultimate low later in the year. So now at least we're looking at a, a, a May uh, low um, right now. But Jeff, on the screen on the YouTube channel, I know this is one you like, you've, you've mentioned before. Um, I put these numbers together. I'm going to write a blog on it, lplresearch.com on Wednesday. But the idea of if you have a recession, or if you don't have a recession, what stocks tend to do? And hopefully you can see, I know it's uh, the two are kind of small, but hopefully you can see the numbers. What, if we don't have a recession, what's that mean? Yeah, that's that's when you tend to get, you know, declines of around 20%, which is, mm -hmm. you know, right about where we bottomed uh, at that 38.55 number. So um, it feels to us in LPL research that, that um, this is, you know, a no recession scenario, at least for 2022, probably early 2023. Uh, you know, that means you're probably going to be down, you know, around 20, not around 34, which is the recessionary bear market declines, right? And, we've, and what's interesting, we've had several, you see it on the screen here, several declines that stopped right where this decline has stopped to date, right? 19 and change. So that feels like a convenient place to potentially bottom. We don't know 
for sure, obviously, if it will. Uh, some of those declines had some Fed pivots, yep. right? The 2018 one, we, we, we can all remember, right? You know, essentially um, Powell reversed course and that drove that sort of bounce off of Christmas Eve lows. So, um, you know, maybe it won't play out exactly that way because the Fed's probably not pivoting anytime soon, but maybe they could be slightly less hawkish yep. and that can help us uh, uh, turn around here. Maybe a little bit better inflation numbers over the next month can help. No, absolutely. So again, if you go back like 50 years, all right, uh, I, I said bear or near bear, I get it. Bear markets are 20% correction. We kind of played with it and said, okay, 19% can work. We had a 19, almost a 20% correction in late 2008, 19% correction in 2011, 19% correction in 1998, then the 34% correction in 87. Remember that rubber band was stretched really far. Then another 19% correction in 1978. So in other words, only the 87 crash was the time that you did not have a recession and you went into like, you know, well over 20% pullback. The rest of the time is ballpark right around 20% pullback is where things tend to bottom versus recessions. We saw, you know, two recessions, you know, earlier this decade, stocks cut in half, the 34% correction on the 100 year pandemic. Um, so, you know, hey, every time is different, right? But again, we, we think we're getting closer, um, you know, very close potentially. Now, Jeff, the other thing, and this just came out, but it, you know, it always intrigues me, talk about market sentiment. Our friends, um, the, the, the um, oh, it's called the Bank of America. I guess they took out the word Merrill Lynch. So it's now just Bank of America Global Fund Survey Manager um, just came out. These are guys with a lot of money, guys and gals, a lot of money. The most cash since right after September 11th, this number just came out. And again, overall expectations of the economy on stocks are just historically low. But the most cash since 2011. There's an old saying, Jeff, you know, cash on the sidelines, it's very cliche, but it does appear there's a lot of cash on the sidelines. Take it away. Yeah, maybe they're waiting for that 3,800 number, yeah. <laughs> right, that everybody's talking about on the S&P 500. Uh, that is an excellent sign of uh, pessimism mm -hmm. and therefore a potential contrarian buy signal, right? So, you, I mean, you know that better than anybody. You follow this stuff really closely. So um, you want... If, if there's going to be cash to have on the sidelines, you want it to be the folks with the most money, right? So mutual fund, the biggest mutual funds in the country certainly have a lot of it. So um, we would expect some of that money to move in. There's certainly, we're hearing from a lot of managers out there that they are finding attractive opportunities, even though maybe they don't like, you know, buying the S&P 500 right now. Mm -hmm. Right. There's a, that's, there's a distinction there, right? The market is, it's a market of stocks yes. <laughs> um, rather than just a stock market. So um, keep that in mind. I think you're going to start to see more nibbling if we do go back down uh, under um, 3,900. We'll see some buying and uh, that group of fund managers with all that cash uh, can move this, this market, no doubt. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. Here at LPL Research, we have what we call our stack, Strategic Tactical Asset um, allocation committee. <laughs> it's a mouthful, especially when you got a cough drop in your mouth. Um, but you know, that's, that's what our team's talking about. We're kind of having this very discussion, right? Is, you know, Hey, are we close enough? Are we there? Of course, some people think there could be more pain. Some people think we could be there, but the bottom line is we're in that area where I think it makes sense to strongly consider to, uh, start to nibble at least, uh, um, a little bit. Jeff, so uh, I know this is probably the end of this conversation about the low being in. Let's say the low is kind of in, or maybe we come back and test it later, but we don't go significantly lower is what I want to point, uh, point out here for the S&P. 
What groups do you think could do well the second half of this year then if we get what we expect to be a second half of the year bounce? Yeah, you're probably going to see the opposite of what we've seen recently, right? Mm -hmm. uh, lately, it's been the defensive sectors like mm -hmm. utilities and healthcare, consumer staples doing well, although the Walmart news will not help staples today. Uh, nonetheless, that's been you know the best place to be in addition to energy. Energy could continue to do well still, but we're going to probably see a reversal, uh, a move away from those defensive sectors and into more of the you know the tech uh, and tech related growth stocks that did so well over the past several years that have really been hit hard, right? Those stocks don't like higher interest rates. So if interest rates stabilize and inflation starts to come down, um, those, you know, you're gonna find some bargains, uh, we think in tech. So we're, we're neutral on tech now, but we certainly have a positive bias. And over the next couple of months, um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we moved that view up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good, good stuff. And that's being neutral tech, I think has been, um, I mean, you know, maybe you could argue you should have been underweight, but trust us, being, being neutral with a lot of other shops, being overweight tech is, uh, has helped us because clearly it's been some pain, but there could be some opportunity there. All right. So I do want to say this, we talk about the fed sticking the landing, right? Will they stick the landing? Will we have, um, avoid a recession and all the hikes and stuff. I say that the show Winning Time on HBO was the anti-Ozark. They stuck the landing. For those who didn't watch it, it is, is 10 episodes on the 19, um, 1979, 1980 Lakers. When the new owner came in, they got Magic Johnson, all the stuff with the Celtics and everything. It was it was awesome. It was awesome, awesome. When it was over, it's like, man, I almost want to watch what happens in 1981. <laughs> they did a, a second episode. Jeff, did you watch this one at all yet or no? I, on your recommendation, I am working my way through this. I think I'm on episode seven. Oh, you have started. Awesome. What do you think? I, I'm enjoying it. it yeah. It's great. I mean, I'm not quite old enough to really remember it, nor are you. Yeah. Um, but I remember enough that um, it, it really makes it fun mm -hmm. to, um, you know, kind of go back in time. And and I was a big NBA fan, actually. Okay. Kansas City, you don't, you don't remember this, Kansas City had an NBA team. And I used to go to the games as a kid wow. uh, in Kansas City before they moved to Sacramento. Neat. Yeah, I guess the NBA lottery is tonight. I think my boys were saying, I believe that's tonight. Um, anyway, nonetheless, yeah, winning time is pretty awesome. If you, if you like basketball, even it's not even, it's about basketball, yes, but it's more, more of a comedy and a drama. And yeah, there's some basketball in there. But anyway, highly recommended coming from um, Jeff and Ryan. And by the way, our, our old favorite, um, Oh, Daniel's son. Uh, what's that called? Karate Kid. That's coming up soon too, right? The new, the latest season. I think it's coming up soon. Oh, I'll definitely check that out. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, well, my my ten year old's excited about Stranger Things, which is coming, mm. uh, I think, in ten days. Okay. On Netflix. We're going to that one, but anyway, yeah, there's only, only so much time in the day. All right, Jeff. Final thing we're going to talk about. Looking at the time, so we'll try to wrap this up maybe five minutes or so if we can. Again, one of the positives: earnings are up, stocks are down meaning stocks are a lot cheaper. Uh, the, the chart we're sharing here is one you've put together before, uh, kind of the historical trend of the, the next five years of the S&P and the S&P 500's um, uh, price to earnings ratio. It's somewhat confusing, but Jeff, try to dumb it down the easiest way you can. Well, what's it telling us? Yeah, lower stock valuations signal higher future returns. That's dumbing it down the way anyone can understand. Nicely done. pretty simple. So, you know, higher PE ratios signals lower returns, mm -hmm. those lines wouldn't match up. So you got to invert one of the scales, right? And then the lines line up really well. So if you go back 30 years, you can see, for those of you watching on YouTube, go back 30 years, these numbers line up. So 
essentially what it says is um, when stocks were really cheap in 2011, uh, you know, 2011, 2012, that signaled solid 10-year returns, and we got solid 10-year returns. Actually, with, with dividends, I think 12% returns uh, all in over annualized over that time period. So where are we now? Well, we just came off a period where stocks are really expensive, and that this relationship was signaling essentially no returns, right? Pretty much zero uh, with dividends. Now you... Um, you know, with this correction, stocks are a lot cheaper. We've had solid earnings growth recently. That makes stocks even cheaper. And you end up with now a very nice signal here that you could get potentially, let's call it 6% price returns, 8% dividends with dividends over the next 10 years. That is a pretty solid return, especially since bonds probably aren't going to do much better than maybe a few percentage points. So um, th this has really moved lightly. Stocks are getting cheaper. That's good news for long-term investors. No doubt. You know, we came into this year, yes, we did not see recession. Yes, we thought the bull market would continue. We did, let's be honest, we did not see one of the worst starts year ever uh, taking place. But one of the worries or concerns we had coming into this year was, hey, you know, we've had a big rally. We said we're probably due for a pullback or a correction. We're on record saying a 10 to 15% correction this year made a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. But one of the concerns is, hey, stocks aren't cheap, right? Forward, forward multiples are up over 21. Um, you know, this time a year ago, they were almost 22, I believe. So that was one of the potential concerns. And then with yields moving higher, they just kind of impacted everything and really, you know, put a did a number to technology, which obviously is uh, one of the largest uh, components of the S&P 500. So that kind of pulled everything down. But hey, you know, what goes um, what goes up comes down. What goes down usually can go back up. And again, stocks look a lot cheaper. So let's uh, kind of combine this now, Jeff with the idea of a 60-40 portfolio, just so people listening, if you've never heard of the idea of 60-40, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. It's kind of just um, you know, a standard thing that we talk about in our industry. It's a nice diversified portfolio. And historically, does pretty well. Because when stocks go up, bonds usually, well, maybe, how do I award this? When stocks go down, bonds normally go up. Only uh, four times in history has the Barclays Ag, since 1976, that's your average bond fund, have bonds been lower? You know what happened those years? Bonds were lower those four times. The S&P's up 20% on average. So like last year, bonds were down last year. Hey, your stock's gained like 25, 30%. You know, if you had a diversified portfolio, you maybe didn't care so much. It's this year though, when stocks and bonds are both down darn near double digits, honestly. Um, the, the, the question comes in, Jeff, and I'm going to turn it to you now. Why in the world do you want a 60-40 portfolio? Um, is it dead or is it not? What do you think? Well, it, it sure looks a lot better now than it did uh, a few months ago based on, you know, it's a similar relationship to what we just talked about with stocks, right? Stocks get cheaper because the price to earnings ratio goes down, right? The P goes down, the E goes up, you got cheaper stocks. Well, bond valuations are yields, right? And so when bonds go down, yields go up, they become more attractive, they become cheaper. So that's what's happening here. Um, the blue line and the red line both going up significantly to the, you know, the high end of the range of the past 20 years, right? So this tells you that on a valuation basis, stocks and bonds are both attractive looking forward. You're getting a good entry point for both. So for those of you who, you know, maybe moved away from 60-40, uh, might make sense to consider giving it another look here. Absolutely. You know, one of the better indicators for what bonds are going to probably uh, give you is the yield, right? 10-year yield up over, I know it's not 3% now, but it was up over 3% versus about 1.5% this time a year ago. 
Um, so again, that's that's a positive uh, for sure. I mean, Jeff, so let's see. So we already talked about stocks a little bit, like what you kind of like, maybe second half of your tech can do a little bit better in the growth areas, which has just been hammered, let's be honest, but they could do a little bit better. On a fixed income side of thing, full disclosure with an asterisk, you are fixed, you're not the fixed income strategist on the team, Lawrence Gillum is, but where do you think potentially if bonds were to come back a little bit, what's some areas you could maybe invest in the second half of this year? Yeah, well, um, you still want to probably stay shorter maturities than mm -hmm. the the benchmark, right? That Bloomberg now, Bloomberg Barclays Aggregate Bond Index, um, you know, has the average maturities of, of north of six years. So, you know, stay that intermediate or short to intermediate area in case rates go higher. So that's one piece. Um, we're still fine with mortgage-backed securities. We're kind of taking a, um, uh, you know, sort of a benchmark level risk, I guess it's fair to say. In, in the bond market. We're fine with having a little bit of high yield too. We've added a little bit of that in the portfolios that we managed recently, uh, but really not going too far out on the risk curve. We still want our bonds to mitigate uh, some downside risk for stocks if possible. Yeah, and then last week that finally started to happen. It's been a while, right? Stocks, the stocks got hit again last week, but bonds actually started acting like bonds and gave you some uh, some diversification. Just about an hour before this, on our morning call with our LP, nearly twenty thousand LPR, sorry, more than twenty thousand LPL advisors, although we didn't have them all on the call, but uh, we had a good amount on the call this morning. Uh, Lawrence and I were talking. It's called Fixed Income Tuesday, and he was pointing out, listen, you know, if you don't think this is a credit event, meaning is there not some monster under the bed and this is just kind of, um, you know, a little slowdown. Yes, the Fed is hiking, inflation, supply chain, China shut down, all these things. But you think it's more of a slowdown and not a credit event like, um, you know, a tech bubble or, or the mortgage disaster and financial crisis. Maybe high yield, which a group we didn't like six months ago. We didn't like it that much six months ago. High yield right here makes uh, makes a lot of sense. That is definitely a group Lawrence was talking about this morning. So that could be, um, I think, high yield in tech. Maybe the second half of this year, uh, there's two areas that maybe can do a little bit better than other parts of, um, of their respective uh, industries and sectors. All right, Jeff, so I think the next, yeah, here we go. The week ahead. Uh, the big thing, I guess, this week was probably retail sales. We already kind of talked about that. Anything else this week? It feels like a calm week, which thank goodness we need that. Anything else this week that you, has got is on your radar? Yeah, well, Powell speaks today, so okay. um, you might, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what time. Uh, it's a Wall Street Journal conference of some sort, so the market will be focused on that. Um, you know, other than that, yeah, you you nailed it. It's about retail sales, and it's about earnings reports from retailers, you know, we got a big one or two big ones today with, with Walmart and Home Depot results, but there's some more big names coming over the uh, rest of the week. And what gets me again, we are sharing this on the YouTube channel, no economic releases on Friday. I mean, that's there. There are days literally where the stock market's closed, the bond market's closed, and there's still economic data that's released. So, hey, maybe it's a sign that things are calming down, uh, calming down a little bit. All right, Jeff, but we've hit the end of the road. We're over 30 minutes, so we're gonna probably wrap it up. Thanks to Jeff, as always, for a great discussion. Thanks to Neil, our producer, for always helping us get this out there. And thanks to you guys, the listeners on our po various podcasts and the watchers on our YouTube channel. We've hit some huge numbers on the YouTube channel. I think people just like to watch us, Jeff. I think is is what it is when I'm having a coughing attack or running out trying to find my dog and tell him to be quiet. It's kind of fun to watch us do this. Um, but with all that, everybody, thank you. We'll be back next week to um, see what's going on out there. And maybe we can get a little bit more green. I haven't looked, Jeff, for stock stocks were higher this morning. What are they right now? Famous last word. Are we still higher as a time? It's 1017 Eastern time. What are we doing here? 
Yep, yeah. we are still we are still nicely higher, yeah. about a, a percent and a quarter on the S and P. Okay, yeah. So there we go. So we'll we'll, we'll see when you guys listen to this, you'll say, okay, S and P up one point three percent. See see where we were when you when you listen to this, where we finish up. But at least uh, trying to carve out that bottom is kind of what we think's happened. All right, everybody. Well, with all of that, um, we want to thank everybody. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principle. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All index are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.